You're listening to DraftKings Network. Coming up on Unreasonable Odds, presented by DraftKings, a loaded show. Myself, Brendan Glasheen, Julian Edlow, we are diving in to a variety of topics in the NFL and college football, week five, week six, respectively. We've got Johnny Avello, the director of the DraftKings Sportsbook. He's joining us to break down what the book might need and what the public is riding into this football week. We'll also have Jonathan Von Tobel of VEASAN. He joins Unreasonable Odds to discuss his NFL betting model, how that's playing out, and what he's eyeing this week. All coming up. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome into the show. Brendan Glasheen, Julian Edlow, Unreasonable Odds, presented by DraftKings. Two guests for the show this week, Jules. You'll sit down with Johnny Avello, and we've got JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel of VEASAN, joining the program. You might mix in some NBA with him, too, but mostly football. Uh, coming off, both of us, 2-0. We've got some good baseball playoffs going on, too. This is true. I mean, I wish we had a game three. I wish we had a game three wild card because the one game do or die is the best. And of course, four sweeps. But those Philly games have been fun. That was my only MLB bet. I took Phillies win game one and win the series. Uh, double result. Doing Steve's job for him, giving out some baseball winners. Yeah, his Mariners not in the picture, as we know. Um, I've got an Arizona Diamondbacks World Series ticket that I placed in April. What number? Which feels pretty cool. Uh, it was a boost, so I got it up to 125 to 1. Wow. I like that. Yeah. I mean, Honestly, I don't I, think I, they're going to do well against the Dodgers. I think they have a chance against the Dodgers. We Every year, I always think about betting the Dodgers again, and I keep remembering what happens to them. They they only came through in the COVID year. Right. Last year, they lost in four. They won game one against the Padres, and then, got, then they lost the next three. Yeah, uh, they've only won a 60-game season with empty stadiums and a neutral World Series. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think Arizona has a shot in in that series. If you yeah, get scared, I, I, maybe you can cash it out or something, but... You only get like 110 bucks. Yeah, just let it go. Just ride it, yeah. Yeah, I would I would say to the, you know, like Zach Gallen, his performance dropped off, advanced metrics, metrics not quite uh, up to what his actual performance has been um and the dog but i would say but the dodgers they're rotating their offense is great bats friedman top of the order don't get me wrong their offense is loaded but their pitching is very dicey like bobby miller stud probably the next big thing dodgers do a great job developing arms but after him it's like uh, it's kind of up in the air so it's we'll see um i think the diamondbacks have a shot so i appreciate you saying that um I don't know. I don't have much in MLB, but we can. If there's a series we like, we can we can give that out later in the show. We'll do a minute or two on NBA because a lot has has happened, and we can talk about what that that maybe means later in the show. Yeah, how you feeling about? So you bounced back from your teaser debacle, and you did a two leg. You did a money line parlay with Oregon State and the Kansas City Chiefs, which was kind of sweaty. Uh, all things considered, they had their twenty point lead evaporate. Yeah, the Chiefs were in there like if you needed it. Hopefully you're somebody that if you're listening to this podcast, you follow our our content, our DK uh, network content, and you had Oregon minus 120 um, and didn't have to to sweat out the Chiefs. Uh, but that's how I gave it out here, and it got there. Or Oregon State on Friday night was my – I said it over and over. That was my favorite spot of the week. And if you watched that game, you watched it play out. Like Utah just could not move the ball. That was a garbage time touchdown to make it a 21-7 game. Oregon State defense was all over the place. They were moving the ball well enough on offense, mm-hmm. um, especially, uh, what is it, Bolden, that shifty receiver that got two touchdowns. He was great. Uh, the home teams, that home Friday night game was was what I, I thought it would be for them. So I was happy. And that ended up, that closed, what, minus four? So Four or four and a half with, with rising out. Um, yeah. That, yeah, that was that was a big one. I was big by you to you. You mean you played that Monday? I realize you know, we got the pod that comes out later in the week, and you know when you posted in your article, that's all timely. But well, actually, if we want to be totally transparent, I played it in July because <laughs> I played Oregon State plus two and a half on the look ahead, and then added on Sunday, Monday, Friday. I like the spot. <laughs> um, 
and the Chiefs came through. I'll, I'll, I, I picked the Texans. Um, I've been betting them a couple, I've bet them a few times now this year. Uh, I just would, some of these NFL teams, man, like they've got stinky reputations, but I hope you're watching the games. Like, especially this AFC South, I'm kind of intrigued. Like, I think Stroud can kind of play. Tank Dell, Nico Collins, they're doing just enough. D'Amico Ryans has got these guys believing on defense. I've said that a few times. They've got they've got some pieces. And then like what's going on with the Colts, too. I know they lost to the Rams in overtime, but Richardson comes back from the concussion. They're competing. And Mike Vrabel's Titans just blitzed. I know Joe Burrow's banged up, and maybe the Bengals are just a stay-away team from this point forward until we figure out Burrow's health. But my conclusion with the NFL is it gets kind of stinky back in some of the – especially the South, AFC, NFC. I realize it's bad, but there are some spots where I think you can you can really come around and say to yourself, you got to have some confidence, I think, in, some, in this young, feisty – even though they were projected to be bad teams, the, the AFC South is – these teams fight. They're not taking. They're they're give, they're trying to win with these young quarterbacks. And uh, I would just caution people. I know you look at the uniform and go, oh, Texans. Like, these teams, they, they're believing. They're believing a bit in Richardson and Stroud. So I would keep that in real, mind. Real quick before we go to Avello, all four teams are two and two. Jags plus 145, Texans plus 235, Colts plus 380, Texans plus 475. I don't have a bet, but I'll give a hot take. I think Indy or Houston wins the division. I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I would be surprised if the Jaguars don't figure it out. They've got time. They got hot at the end of last year, and sure. they were kind of a scary team against the Chiefs in the first round of the playoffs or the divisional round, whatever round it was. But uh, Divisional, because yeah. first they had that massive comeback over the Chargers. That's right. That's right. Where Lawrence was like crap, and then he came back. Yep. Okay, we got two guests on the show. We'll talk to JVT later on, Jonathan Von Tobel. But first, odds are with Johnny Avello. Here's Jules. You heard the music. You know what it means. It is time for Odds Are with Johnny Avello here on the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Johnny, how are we doing this week? Very well, Jules. Thank you much. Let's dive right into it. NFL Week 4 is behind us. We didn't really get the monster upsets like we got in the previous week with all kinds of big upsets outright, blowing up survivors, parlays, teasers. Um, but we did have some big favorites like the Chiefs and Eagles just barely scraped by. Uh, public favorite in the Cowboys, they get the blowout. On the other side, the contrarian favorite in that Bills-Dolphins game, which was expected to be the game of the week. Buffalo kind of blows out there at home. What were some of the better uh, results from NFL Week 4 uh, for both DK Sportsbook and for the public? Well, the Chiefs were the biggest handle of the day, or should I say the biggest handle of the year. Was wow. So far. Yeah. I don't know if it was the Jet Faithful or the Swifty Faithful, but the right was huge. Um, that was the biggest game revenue-wise also. Bill's win was good for us also because the Dolphins were the top selection for the betters who were wagering on the money line for Sunday. Uh, Bengals losing was also a positive game for the house. The games that didn't go so well uh, were the – Ravens at the Browns, that line flipped very late with no Watson in at quarterback. Uh, the Vikings were played intensely at the Panthers. I think that was more of a do factor. I think we spoke about that. That line moved from two and a half to four and a half. And then the 49ers covering as a big double digit uh, favorite. That was good for the betters bankroll. All right, well, you, you hit on a lot of teams that we're going to talk about as it pertains to this upcoming Week 5. But first, I, I do have a prop question for you because I'm just curious, like, what what type of damage or, you know, damage for the betters or damage for the sports book, depending on the prop, has that been doing on some of these that, that move so much? Because we have one like Ezekiel Elliott. I played the over there at 27 and a half, felt really good about it. Then we get reports on game day. Zeke's going to get the starters bulk of that workload, goes up to almost 40 doesn't even get there on the 27 and a half. On the flip side, you got a guy like Christian McCaffrey opening in the high 70s for his rushing prop. He gets bet all the way up into the 90s as a huge home favorite, like you mentioned, against Arizona, and he clears everything and gets into 100 again. What is, uh, what's it been like on some of these props that have moved so much? Yeah, you know, that's part of it. When you're in this business, you're going to get movement, and then you're going to win some of them and lose some of them. 
Elliott burned up some money with only 16 rushing yards. The, you know, the Pats kept uh, falling farther and farther behind, and they abandoned the it run. It was all the offense's fault, too. They were giving up all the touchdowns on offense. Just hand it to Zeke, get some yards, and then we're not in this hole. <laughs> yeah, but then Ramondre uh, Stevenson, he had 14 carries. Zeke had six. So, you know, you kind of got burned right there. On the McCaffrey side, yeah, he was – he was a big choice. How do you not bet this guy when he's healthy? Uh, he also not had the unders on him. I'll tell you that much. He also had four TDs, which also resulted in paying out some additional money for us. All right, let's move on to week five. Uh, you mentioned some teams there. The Niners, I, I really like in that Sunday night football spot at home against the Cowboys. Um, a really interesting one. You mentioned the Bengals being a decision for, for you guys. If anybody told me preseason I could lay three, maybe getting close to two and a half with the Bengals in Arizona, that would have been one of my biggest bets of the year. But here we are, and the Cardinals are the side uh, against this banged-up borough and how good Arizona has looked. Um, what are some of the more popular sides thus far heading into uh, NFL Week 5? Well, they like the Bills over to Jags, uh, four and a half to five. That's going to be five and a half soon in that okay. game in London. Uh the Red Hot Texans are the choice at the Atlanta Falcons. Opened up three and a half. Falcons did, and now down to two. Uh, Lions are getting some public support at home versus the own four Panthers. Seven and a half, the opener now up to 10. Uh, Dolphins at home opened nine and a half, and now 11 over to struggling New York Giants. And then they're also playing the other New York Metropolitan team, the Jets in Colorado. Broncos opened up three. That thing's now down to one and a half. All right. We're going to switch it over to college football, Johnny. Uh, we talked a lot of games last week. My Beavers came through for me on Friday night against Utah, that favorite that just kept growing and growing. No cam rising. The USC Colorado total that we have been talking about on here for weeks got there in the third quarter, I think. Points were there. And then Colorado with kind of an impressive comeback, holding the USC offense uh, late and putting some some points up. Maybe we learned something about Colorado there. And, of course, the wild finish in Duke-Notre Dame. Duke in position not just to cover five and a half, but win that game. And then a fourth and 16 conversion, a handoff for a touchdown. A two-point conversion gets there, and everything spirals out of control for Notre Dame to not just get that win, but also the cover when it looked like they were just playing for a field goal for the win. So let's talk uh, some of those results. What was good for the public? What was good for the book last week? And let's start with that Notre Dame finish because I imagine a lot of money swung hands late for the second week in a row with the Irish after that uh, Ohio State late finish. Sure did. Uh, Notre Dame, Duke, and Colorado, USC were the two biggest bet games last week. Uh, we lost on the ND cover and won uh, even though Colorado covered. And that's because there was just a ton of money on the Buffs' money line. That's the way they like to bet them, thinking this team's going to win straight up. I know. Uh, we won in the Ole Miss-LS shootout. Um, we also, won with the Georgia Bulldogs not covering at Auburn, that, that was also good for us. But we also lost Bama covering at Mississippi State. That line went from 14.5 to 16.5. And, and then we had a sizable loss on Michigan just having their way with that Nebraska team. Yep. Um, all right. Solid Saturday ahead. Uh, college football week six, highlighted by uh, obviously the Texas Oklahoma game, both five and zero. Oh. We're going to learn a lot about those two teams. Also got that Bama A and M game, where you know Bama always struggles, whether it's at home or on the road, where they particularly struggle. This line eight and a half preseason, I think, sinking like a rock, getting close to a to a pick. Um, what are some of the uh, sides taking the most money, Johnny, for college football week six? They'd like the uh, the five and zero Kentucky team on the road a little against the number one yeah. Bulldogs. Uh, Georgia opened up seventeen; that's now down to fourteen and a half. Ohio State seeing support at home over the five and zero Maryland team that opened nineteen. We're at nineteen and a half now, but that with the way the money I see. The way it's coming in, I'm sure we're going to reach at least 20 in that game. Uh, and those two two games you mentioned, A and M is receiving early money with the line dropping from Alabama three and a half down to one and a half, 
And then in the Red River showdown or shootout or whatever that thing. I like – so since we can't call it the shootout anymore, I at least like Red River rivalry because it keeps it all with the R's. I guess that, that's the best option now in my mind. I can call a shootout if I want. And I'm gonna okay. call it. All right. In, you, can do whatever you, you can do whatever you want. Apparently the broadcast isn't supposed to do that anymore. But this is in the, the Red River shootout. There we go. Texas has been bet up to six and a half from five and a half. Um, what about the total, real quick? In in, in uh, the Red River rivalry shootout, uh, total sixty and a half. I think. I think it's holding pretty steady. I'm not sure really where they want to go with that one yet. All right, forty nine nothing Texas last year. If they get anywhere close to that, you got to think Oklahoma does their part, but. We shall see. I want to touch real quickly because the week seven board is looking very good in college football. And you guys at DraftKings Sportsbook already have a bunch of lines up. You got Washington laying three in a big game against Oregon. There's a USC Notre Dame game, Florida, South Carolina, a lot of big ones. Uh, is Has there been much early action on uh, that week 17 card, the Saturday, October 14th? Well, Miami's at North Carolina. North Carolina opened up one. Uh, not much there so far. They do like Washington minus three at home, just a touch against Oregon. But you know what I'm expecting in that game? I'm expecting duck money line wagers uh, when we get a little bit closer. And in the Trojans at the Irish contest, we're seeing a pretty nice balance in that one. Notre Dame open two, no movement on the game, but good money both sides so far. Bring me that ducks action. Go Huskies at home. That's my spot. Um all right, we're gonna we're gonna hit we're gonna hit everything here. We're going all all sports because we got so much going on. Unfortunately, though, we got four sweeps in the wild card game. We're recording this on Thursday, October fifth. I was hoping we would have a big game three. We don't have a big game three. Um, so, how, how did that wild card round go for you uh, with with the two sweeps or uh, four sweeps? Excuse me. They're going really well as far as business and writing, but it's just it's just been super boring and uneventful. Not one game out of all those games was a one-run game. They were all just terrible. And all of a sudden, some of the teams who were playing well all year couldn't hit this week. Yeah, that was it was a weird round. At least the Phillies games looked electric, but they were just beating the bag out of the Marlins. Um, so because all of those wrapped up though, we do have now the divisional round on the board. So where's some of the early money going in this next round? Uh, best of five, Johnny. Uh, there have been in the Orioles over the Rangers in both game one and series and the same for the Astros who are hosting the twins. You know, I don't know if you watch this twin team this year, it's rare that they get on a, you know, a huge winning streak. They usually win one or two and that's usually it. So we'll see how they fair against probably the best team in baseball, the Astros. They also like the Dodgers in the series price over the Diamondbacks. Slightly over $2 right now. That thing could rise, though, up a little bit, uh, you know, before before the first pitch. Any major liabilities uh, World Series-wise? Oh, yeah, we got a few. Uh, Astros is and Orioles. Is Mattress Max business, is that with us? Again? Some yeah, that's some of it. Okay. Uh, Astros and and Orioles, uh, but they both can't get there. But we'll be left with one of those. On the other side, we're in pretty good shape in the NL. Gotcha. Um, All right, and we're going to wrap with NBA because big week of trades last week, right after we recorded, really. We had the Damian Lillard trade to Milwaukee, and then uh, Portland comes right around and gets Drew Holiday to Boston uh, on a quick turnaround. Bucks. Leap the Celtics for all of three days in terms of the favorite to win the East and win it all. Celtics come right back, and now they're co-favorites. Where has uh, where has all that money been coming in over the last week, say, in the NBA? Is it all Boston, Milwaukee, or any other teams getting bet? Interesting. It's like a horse race. So Bucks last week and Celtics this week with the Drew Holiday acquisition. So yeah, you're right. We had the Bucks. You know, they were driven down to like plus three twenty. Then the Celtics went up a little bit. Now with Drew Holiday coming to the Celtics, both are sitting at four to one. Um, you know, looking through the longer term stuff, Lakers have some money, Suns have some money, Warriors, uh, they're all getting some love. And then when you look at it, I mentioned those three teams, they're all on the other side of these two. So 
I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody's interested in anybody, any any other team except these two right now. Yeah, I, at least, at least on the east side. Right, Milwaukee, Boston collision course in the east, and uh, betters are saying it's going to be one of those two, showing no respect to the Miami Heat. Uh, but if the Heat can come out of the East this year, that would be quite impressive. Well, um, there, was, there was a lot of dialogue, remember, about the Heat, you know, getting some of these players and oh, just yeah. never materialized. The Heat, I mean, the swing, more so than the Milwaukee and Boston swings, the swing of Lillard just not going to Miami knocked them down to 28 to 1. That was the b- biggest swing of all of them. That was exactly. crazy. Um, all right. We hit on it all this week, all the sports with Johnny Avello. Uh, in odds are, Johnny, thanks for joining us, as always, on Unreasonable Odds. You're welcome. Have a good day. Our many thanks to Johnny Avello, director of the DraftKings Sportsbook. He's now joined us consecutively for the last month. Good stuff from Johnny. Good stuff from Jules with Johnny. We've got another guest this week on Unreasonable Odds, presented by DraftKings, Jonathan Von Tobel of VEASAN. He's done plenty of crossover with us at DraftKings, and it's our first chance to talk to him on the podcast this year. Jonathan, thanks for stopping by. I know there's a lot going on with the NBA season nearing, but uh, you've had a pretty enjoyable NFL stretch here to open up the season. Yeah, uh, it has been pretty busy, and the NFL season has been a lot of fun and interesting. So uh, we decided over at the website, let's get some new and fresh content in. So I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to try to build a model, and let's keep track of this thing. So as I have lovingly called it, uh, John Von Model has been off to an okay start, coming off of its worst week so far. So we'll see how the bounce back is. But it's been it's been fun to not only see the early success, but for me, the, the process has been more fun and tracking it and, and and all the tweaks and turns and twists that you have to do throughout a week. You know, I had no idea a model uh, really consisted of so many things that you had to do on a week-to-week basis to make sure that it was up and accurate. So, yes, it's been a busy and successful start to the season. Hopefully it continues on going forward. Before before we jump into some games, uh, JVT, let's. I want to talk a little bit more about uh, before said John Von model. Yeah, uh, pretty good. <laughs> which every time I hear it, it just sounds like a, a male model. I don't know a John Von yeah. model. Um, which you know, obviously, if you weren't handicapping games for Vsin, um, you'd have a great career as a male model. Clearly, um, <laughs> these uh, you, we talked a little bit beforehand. I want to. I want to know what you have a problem, Glash. No, it's good. I'm complimenting you. That was funny. It was. Right. I didn't think you were this. You had this in you. It's good. Yeah, we make jokes sometimes. Um, you told totally. us what goes what goes into uh, what goes into the model, and can you explain not only that, but also as you just mentioned, like these week to week tweaks. I'm I'm interested in what changes week to week in terms of spitting out a new number. Sure. So, um, so for the audience, it, what it is, it's, it's all built in an Excel spreadsheet and, and it's just a, a very simple way to put it is it is based on regression testing. The, the simple way it breaks down is Excel. Tell me how these statistics correlate to a home team winning a football game and, and by how much they win those games. And so when you get those returns and those correlations and you punch it into a, a, just a big equation, factor in home field and boom, it gives you a projection. Uh, for a team and for a margin of victory when they play with one another. By the way, half the battle is learning Excel again because that was an incredible <laughs> journey in and of itself. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm out. I'm, out. I, I'm ineligible to make a model. I yeah, can't even uh, do that. It was ridiculous. Uh, the, yeah, everything. So, um, but it, the tweaks, Julian, are like to me the favorite part about it. So you asked. So one of the good examples um, that I wrote about this week, one of the adjustments, the model for some reason has been oddly high on Green Bay. And one of the things that it, that it, the model is based on, of course, is statistics from last year. And these statistics that I'm using, I do have quarterback-based statistics, so I can you know, essentially plug in and plug out quarterbacks whenever they're hurt. Other positions, I don't have the ability to do that yet. I'm learning how to do that. So for Green Bay, while there were Jordan Love statistics plugged into it, statistics like net drive success rate, um, EPA per play, it was still feeding off of the numbers from Green Bay for last year. So initially, the projection for Raiders and Packers was Packers minus five and a half. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem accurate. Let's go in there and let's remove everything and let's put in 100% Green Bay from this year and let's see what happens. Sure enough, spits back out, Raiders by one. And the market at that time was Green Bay minus two. And it's weird because the second I texted my cohort, Mitch Moss, I was like, hey, I think the Raiders are going to be a play this week because we play the five biggest edges of our contest. 
as I was texting him, the screen lit up and it went down to Packers minus one. So we're right in line with where the betting market's at. But that would account for some of the adjustments you make. I would say another example, too, is um, Cincinnati. Cincinnati has been power rated very, very highly through the last few weeks, according to the model. But again, it's using statistics from last year. So the initial projection for Cincinnati on the road against Arizona was by 11.32 points. I was like, okay, again, that's a little off. So let's take out everything Cincinnati-wise and let's put in 100% 2023 Cincinnati and let's see what happens. Spits out Cincinnati by three, perfectly in line with the betting market. So those are kind of the adjustments that you do on a week-to-week basis, or at least that I've been doing, to keep this in line with the betting market. So I still have some edges. The edges are getting progressively tighter, um, but that's kind of what you're looking at, you know, game by or excuse me, week by week and team by team in terms of adjustments in the model. Yeah, and, and based on the, those two examples are very quarterback related, right? Because of the health yes. of Burrow and of course Rogers not being in Green Bay anymore. Are you you're doing that for every single game? Yeah, so every single game, every single team, every team or every quarterback's plugged in. So, for example, you know, if a quarterback's not going to play, all it yep. is is I go in the spreadsheet, take out that quarterback statistics, and I put in the quarterback that is going to take their place, and we get the adjustment there. Can I put you on the spot? How do you feel sure. about Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky if it's Trubisky this week? So there's the model does not I shouldn't say how you feel. What does the model feel? I'm going to guess before you even answer that it's not going to be that big of a swing. A, uh, a 0.23 point difference, according to the model, wow. between the two. Like, there's really no, no real difference um, between those two, at least according to John Von Model. So um, I, I would say that, yeah, like, and here's the thing. I think I read a report yesterday. I'm going to update today. It sounds like Pickett's going to play. Uh, but that was a team, too, that for a little bit, and because this is very heavily based in offensive statistics. So I'm using, you know, um, EPA per play, um, drive success rate, drop back success rate. I have some PFF metrics in there, like turnover worthy play rate, the tie to the quarterback, right? PFF passing grade. Um, but the few de- defensive statistics I have used, the Steelers grade really highly in. And so the model has actually been somewhat high on Pittsburgh, not like insanely high, but high enough to where there's been some games that I had to go in there and be like, man, we need to kind of upgrade something here because like this is, this is weighing too heavily in, in Pittsburgh's favor where it shouldn't. And that was one of those this week too. The initial projection was Pittsburgh uh, by about like, I think it wasn't that much, but it was like 0.87 points. So I went in, made sure that all Pickett's numbers were adjusted, and sure enough, they came back to uh, Ravens minus four and a half. So much more in line with what the betting market was. So those are the little things you got to do every single week. But for Pittsburgh, the defense had been carrying their rating for a really long time. I can't claim to like much in terms of the NFL this week for sides. As the week goes on, I've been finding more and more props that I like, obviously, at DraftKings. We're a big prop book, um, and we come from fantasy roots, so that's something I've been playing more of this season, just because I think sides have been so difficult. Um, I am on the Niners this week. I gave them out at minus three last week. I like them at three and a half. I'm curious where – I think that's kind of a game that if you have a model, that's a big enough game, um, and those teams have been at it long enough that you're probably going to be pretty pretty close to the market. Um, Am I right on that one, or do do you have any edge there? Yeah, so there is an edge, but it's less than three points. And in fact, you know, speaking to how tight this model is getting with the betting market, it actually is probably going to be one of our top five plays because it, like this oh, is really? how tight this is getting. Uh, I got like a 2.32 point edge for the 49ers. I got a projected win by about 5.7 points. Okay. Um, so, right. you know, it's like, it's like right there. Uh, and, and for it's interesting because as I've adjusted these teams, and I actually have two different versions of the model built out right now. I have one that I'm slowly integrating 2023 statistics into, and I have one that is purely based on 2023 statistics. So those yeah. those projections kind of get a little extreme. But Dallas has slowly – it started the year up here, like they were really high, and it slowly started to kind of come back down to the point where I think if you would have put this model projection in two weeks ago, probably would have been picked. But now, because of the way the Dallas has kind of been playing, the Dak's been somewhat average, it's really started to come down here. So 49ers, it depends on whether or not we want to choose to play the Thursday night game because yeah. Thursday is a massive edge in favor of Washington. The model hates the Chicago Bears. Um, but if we don't use so do I. Chicago, yeah. So if we don't use Chicago, Washington, then uh, on the back end, then we bump up San Francisco and there'll be a play in terms of a top five edge. Interesting. I'm, I'm fascinated by Cowboys, Niners. For, for just, for, you know, the narratives are, are great, but also. Yep just how they've played this year. Neither team has had to muster any, some sort of, I mean, now Dallas had to be in come from behind mode against Arizona. They came up short. Their red zone woes are bad. I'm still not sold on McCarthy as a play caller, but they've been a play with the lead kind of team. Um, And the same can be said for San Francisco. Brock Purdy doesn't have to 
uh, unleash or, or take his game to another level. So I'm curious, like you're, you probably need more data on those teams to see how they play in different game scripts, I guess is what I'm curious about. They've played very outside of the Arizona game for Dallas. They've played very similar play from ahead. And, and even the short fields opening night for Dallas against, against the giants that I haven't learned enough yet about if Brock Purdy is really human. And on the mm-hmm. Dallas side, if, Mike McCarthy is a problem as a play caller. I still don't really know yet. Yeah, I would agree with all those points. And at the very least, so one of the metrics we'll use for quarterbacks is uh, the PFF passing grade. Okay. And it, and Brock Purdy has actually been very, very average at best in yeah. the way that he has played this year. And so if you're going to kind of change the game script on them in the grain situation where now all of a sudden if you're San Francisco, okay, now we have to come from behind. Now we're not just sitting back and holding on to a lead. Now we actually have to get aggressive. We actually have to have some explosive plays. How does that change the game situation for a guy like Purdy? You know, you could have your complaints about Dak Prescott, but he has a much larger sample size of work in situations like that as opposed to Brock Purdy. And I'm very interested in that too in terms of what the result's going to be and how Purdy's going to grade out after this because San Francisco is slowly starting to climb up. It's not that they were a terrible team, but right now the model has the the Chiefs by far like the best team in the National Football League right now. Slowly but surely – the Dolphins, the Bills, and the 49ers are creeping up. But of those three, I would project that San Francisco is probably the favorite to not catch up to Kansas City, only because the quarterback play weighs heavily on the model, and Brock Purdy has not really been that great. Um, Glash, do you have any? Do you have a specific game that you wanna that you wanna ask JVT about? Uh, I mean, that's the mark. That's the game of the week. I mean, we just hit on it, Dallas and San Francisco. But other than that, I mean, I asked about Pittsburgh and Baltimore. That's a divisional game. I, I figured he'd say that, that the model doesn't mean all that much for Pickett versus uh, yep. Trubisky. But I'm, I'm good unless you've got something for the weekend. All right. So then we'll just open it up for this way until uh, before we move on. What, what else sticks out to you, JVT, on the NFL side of things this week, whether it be – uh, the biggest edge model-wise, or you are a human, and I will open yeah. it up to your personal opinion here. If anything catches your eye, uh, no way. This is my. This is my. Uh, this is me. Now. This is my identity. Robot. Yep, I'm a modeler now, 100 percent of the way. Uh, no, I, I think really quick. I'll, I want to point out, um, at least from the model's perspective, uh, it. It. You know, I jokingly mentioned it hates the Chicago Bears. It, it has hated the Chicago Bears every single week. The edge has been with Chicago's opponent every single week, and it projects uh, Washington by 14.8 points. Like I, I cannot get that number down. No matter how many adjustments I made, so I could not get that number. That. You have to use that in contests and as yes. One of your, your big so play. that's why I think we're going to use it this week. Is that we kind of talk to each other like ah, you know, we don't want to use the Thursday games, uh, especially this last week was murder, right? When you talk about all these like quarterbacks that are eventually not playing and whatnot. Uh, but this week I think we're going to use it because it was a pretty big edge and it's been accurate. Like it has been against Chicago every week and it has been right. And especially one of the big ones, yeah. it. Uh, it got a lot of attention projecting an 18-point win for the Chiefs over the Chicago Bears, a 10-point win for the Buccaneers over the Chicago Bears. It's been dead yeah, it's on. <laughs> yeah, right. It's been dead on and kind of fading Chicago. So I think I kind of trust the model, at least at this point. Um, personally, when I when I was looking at everything on the board, I was kind of locking step with the model on a couple of things. I actually don't hate Las Vegas in this spot against Green Bay either, if you're going to tell me that Jimmy G is going to play. I think that when you look at some of the metrics for Green Bay, especially very quietly now going back to last year, the run defense hasn't been great. And so if you're going to be able to kind of work play action, if, if Garoppolo is going to be healthy, which it sounds like it's going to be the case, you're going to be able to maximize your offense. Love has not really been good either. Uh, I think that this is a spot where the market's still a little too high on Green Bay. So that was one that also is in lockstep with the model. It's got a projected 1.3-point win for the Raiders, and that was one that I already came into this week thinking, if Jimmy G's playing, I'll be in on Las Vegas. Can I, I, Jules, I just thought of a game. How about uh, – how does the model grade Anthony Richardson for the, the Colts in a divisional matchup against – the Samir is very interested in this game. Samir has been trying to think of his best bet for this in another, game. you know, another hour is, and a half. This yeah. is like a this is more of a gross one, but considering the, the Desmond Ritter experience in Atlanta taking on C.J. Stroud, Texans coming off a nice win against Pittsburgh. They dropped thirty on a really good Pittsburgh defense that yep. uh, that did find a way to win Sunday night at Vegas. But curious, uh, looking at the rookie. I mean, we talked about Pickett a little bit, not a rookie, but the rookie quarterbacks in, in Richardson and Stroud and, and Ritter. While Ritter played a little bit at the end of last year, he's really, for our, for our purposes, a rookie. I'm, I'm curious how that grades out. So the, that was one of my more fascinating things coming into the year was how do I put in quarterbacks that we have no data on? 
And so what I did for those teams, and I don't know if this is the right process or whatever, but it's what I did. I just plugged in an average quarterback. So all the statistics I used, I just went average and put them in there because I don't know if they're going to be good. I don't know if they're going to be bad. (laughs) You know, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a pro Kirk Cousins guy, so he's too good for that. Um, But either way, yeah, an average quarterback. And one of the big fascinating adjustments over the last couple of weeks, two weeks ago going into the Lions game, I was like, ooh, this thing's way too high on Atlanta. Let's give them full-fledged Desmond Ritter and see what happens. Went all the way down, actually made the Lions an edge play in that game. They they eventually got there. They won and covered. The Texans have been one of the biggest upgrades because C.J. Stroud has been very, very good uh, for a rookie quarterback. So this was one this week. Initial projections had it about a pick. I upgraded C.J. Stroud to his season numbers, projected out to about to be a 3.7-point win in favor of the Houston Texans. So uh, right in there. Uh, and then you look at this from the perspective of, uh, let's see. Oh, Anthony Richardson. So I think, and I'm a Colts fan, so you could take this, you know, with a grain of salt. Huh. The, the thought the process. The human in him, Jules. Here's the yeah, human. Here, yes, right here. Yeah, the human's coming out. The human's going to come out and tell you guys, and I don't know how, if you guys feel like this. Gardner Minshew's not as good as you think he is. You know, a lot of the metrics and the numbers do spit out a below average quarterback in terms of Gardner Minshew. And so there is a difference between Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew at this point, but it's just barely over a point. It's not really this big edge that I think a lot of people like go back to last year. I mean, there was like, hey, man, or was it last year or the year before where it's like, hey, you know, Gardner Minshew, he should probably start over Jalen Hurts. Like it's yeah. he's not as good as the perception is. Yeah, that was last year. Time melts together. So yeah. uh, I right now it's a projected one point eight point win for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, but like last week, it was only about a one point one point difference between the two when I plugged in Minshew. Okay. All right. Um, Glass, you want to swing things over to the, the college side of things? We'll do do a few games. Sure, we'll do a few games, and we'll get you out on a quick NBA thought with the Bucks and Celtics kind of this yes. ar- curious, arms race stand on that. in the Eastern Conference. Um, but, yeah, in the college landscape, the big game uh, at noon Saturday uh, in the Big 12, Oklahoma and Texas – uh, it's down to six at DraftKings Sportsbook, Texas favorites. Uh, I was reading some numbers on yours and how he plays against certain coverages, and I think Oklahoma can actually scheme it up against him. So I'm curious. I, I think Oklahoma might be the right side. Now, you, of course, you'd rather get the seven. Uh, it's moved from six and a half to six now. W- where are you at on this game in the Big 12? It's a huge game for the conference title. It is. And actually, so my thought is it might go contrary to what maybe people think about this, considering the old name. I think under the play, the under is the play here um, between these two. Because, look, okay. it's, it's the first total up on the board on Sunday, our, our show on Sunday that I host, College Lines Revealed, you know, we take all of the market openers and we, we analyze them. The first number was 62 and a half. It got to as low as 58 uh, and then came right wow. back up to where we're at is about 60 right now. So if you can get 61, which I think is out there at a couple of spots or 61 and a half, I think that's the play. Oklahoma, you mentioned it. They are actually quietly like a lot better uh, this year uh, than they were last year. So they, they've done a really good job of getting that defense and getting that scheme ready to go and coaching them up in a really big way. And Texas has done a phenomenal job defensively. Their front line, their front seven, was brilliant against Alabama. It has been brilliant in multiple matchups this year. I think that this is one where we might see a little bit of a lower scoring game than people expect between these two. So I think six, if you're telling me, hey, pick a side, if I'm going under, I'd rather be taking six points. Uh, but I, I do think that playing this thing under about 61, 61 and a half is the way to go. I think we're going to get a little bit more of a defensive battle than we might expect in this Big 12 matchup. I've, I have a tough time with this game this year, so I'll just yeah. pass and, and keep us moving. I I, I'm, I think we're going to learn a lot from this game, and that's what I want to do. I I do have, once Texas beat Alabama, they kind of remained right around minus 120 to win the Big 12, which yep. <clears throat> it, it's not a conference win, so yeah, it shouldn't affect them too much. But just eye test wise, like, okay, you can go into Tuscaloosa and get that kind of win on a Saturday night. You must be pretty good. So I did back some Texas, um, not at the best price, but after seeing that for them to win the conference and, uh, because you still you could have still got minus one thirty minus one twenty after well, that there, game. Yeah, was minus one thirty minus one forty. Yeah, that was the preseason and, number. Yeah. So maybe Oklahoma is the better team. I'm I'm almost rooting for Oklahoma to win this game as long as Texas doesn't slip up again. It's because yeah. like I think this is this should be a conference title game preview, and then having the revenge factor is always the the side that you want to be when you have those. Yeah. Um, but I think we're going to learn a lot here. So it, that, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a good game. We, we got a couple other ones in the noon window, Glash, and we were talking to you and I before we came on LSU, Missouri. I haven't bet many road favorites this year. 
LSU's already let me down. I, I had them, you know, 24 to one to win it all. I had them to win the conference, the division, the win total, which JVT help this man, please. Win oh, total still in play. I'm giving them one more shot. I'm I, I'm betting the high, the lower ranked team. That's the road favorite to bounce back and get the win. The defense stinks. I don't think Missouri can keep up with what LSU showed us in that Ole Miss game last week. It just has to not be a flat spot with the back-to-back road games where the offense doesn't show up. If the offense shows up, I, I don't think Missouri can keep up. This was this one of the first character yeah. spot for me, but I'm doing it. Uh, so this is one of the first bets I made uh, on Monday Missouri. for the college week. Yeah, Missouri catching yeah. six and a half. Uh, and, and and I've been to be fair too, Julian. I saw I've kind of been like not anti LSU, but I bet Florida State in that game that they played. I had Ole Miss money line uh, just last week. I, I think that like you talked about offensively, Daniels I think is the best quarterback in the SEC. That offense has been brilliant. It's been explosive. It's been great. But what they also showed you against Ole Miss is that their defense stinks. Arkansas was getting guys behind that secondary two weeks ago. And that passing attack dropped over 31 points on this team. This is, I think, the problem inherently with LSU is almost every game is going to be a matchup. And Cook, or excuse me, a shootout. And Cook for Missouri is one of the higher-graded quarterbacks in the SEC at this point right now. He has thrown, what, 11 touchdowns to not, I think, two turnover-worthy plays. Hasn't thrown an interception yet. And so if those DBs are going to play the way that they have played this entire season, then I think at the very least, when you're talking about the number that I got in at, right, six and a half, then I think that that is a, a side to play. Now, it's getting to as low as four and a half. So I think you're getting in the territory where you can make the argument that, yeah, it's worth coming back here on LSU. But I've not been a big fan of LSU this entire season. I've played against them multiple times. So it's just kind of a, a path I'm going to continue to walk down until I get burned. I This is the path that I'm going to continue walking down, <laughs> getting burned until I get one, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I have something pre preconceived from before the season on LSU that I'm I'm chasing. I don't know. Let's stick I mean, they're to good sp- offensively. They're they're really yeah, good on offense. Maybe I should just play the team total. Like yeah, oh. um, hey, just be, hey, just because we're tight on time, why don't we just ask JVT what he might have circled on on his board this week, just to make sure we uh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you want to get to all right. So my, my quiet passion, um, you know, your audience doesn't know me. Uh, I do work part time doing sidelines for UNLV football. And so I cover the Mountain West extensively. I like Mountain West football. Uh, there is a big one uh, on Saturday night. Fresno State's going to go on the road to take on Wyoming and the Cowboys. I was wrong on Wyoming. I thought they were not going to be a very good team. But through these first four games, they have been brilliant. They've been awesome. They're covering numbers or winning games. However, I think they're going to run to a buzzsaw. I have a preseason ticket on Fresno State to win this conference at 4-1. to one. I think that they were the most underrated team coming into conference play and into the season overall. They are statistically a top-five run defense, and I think they're going to be able to stymie this offense in a really big way and force Andrew Peasley to kind of become one-dimensional. And if, if they're going to dare him to throw, I think Fresno State's going to be able to win that thing out. So I laid five and a half of Fresno State. Um, I, I think this actually might be a bad number. I think I'd wait out because I think you're going to get to like five, maybe even four and a half, but – I think the Bulldogs are live in that spot in Laramie against Wyoming. That's the uh, the top play of the week for me. Oh boy, I kind of like liked Wyoming, but I don't hey, cover the Mountain West. Here's the thing: to your point, though, Julian, I, I was I. It's not like I bet against Wyoming. I just didn't think they were going to be that good. I didn't understand yeah. all the hype, and they have proven me wrong. So this could be my LSU on a smaller scale. Uh, but I just I think the world of Fresno State and Jeff Tedford and what they've done, and I, I think yeah. that's for people who don't know too. Seven guys are back from that Mountain West Championship team last year defensively. Like, this is a really, really good defensive unit, and I'm banking on them being able to really stuff up that Wyoming run game. Interesting. Okay. Wyoming Wyoming can be sneaky good at, at home at times. Like, they have the Texas Tech win. Yep. But looking back also, this matchup's been terrible to them. They've, Wyoming's gotten shut out by Fresno back-to-back matchups. Yep. And, and I'd say, too, I mean – as the season has gone along, I don't think the Texas Tech win is as impressive anymore um, for Wyoming in that regard. But what is impressive is going out there to Texas and and holding down the Longhorns for as long as they did. So I think yeah. that's – if I get burned, it's that Fresno State's offense doesn't really come to play and is able to do something against Craig Bull's defense, which is always very well coached. Um, but I, I think – it's one where it's kind of like, all right, I'm going to come to bat here. Uh, preseason, I thought Wyoming wasn't that good. Here's my conference favorite in Fresno State. Let, let me take my shot now and see if I'm right and lay this with Fresno State. All right. Let me ask you a quick one that kind of ties in because we just talked Texas Tech. Yeah. I kind of like Texas Tech on the road at Baylor this week. Mm-hmm. Baylor just had that monster comeback. Baylor's one in three at home. Um, so I'm not afraid of going against them just because they're at home. Texas Tech, like you mentioned, 
eh, what are they? But they had the ball with a chance to beat Oregon. They just whooped up on Houston. Uh, I think this is a flat spot for Baylor, and Texas Tech has some some you know ground to make up for how they started the season. I did bet Texas Tech money line coming into Baylor getting the win. Yeah, I don't I I don't blame you at all. I think it's a side I'd rather be on. And here's the thing, even though Tyler Shuck's hurt for Texas Tech, they're used to not playing with Tyler Shuck because of course he's got a long injury history. And, and Baylor, one of the things for them that I think is going to eventually cost Dave Aranda his job, they've been so bad on defense. Like atrocious. You know, you have to come back the way that you did last week. Uh Texas continually found the edge and was getting explosive play after explosive play against them. Uh, we have seen this now time and again. And even though it was a low scoring game, Utah was getting big explosive plays against them to eventually win that game on the road. I don't like where Baylor's at defensively. So I think maybe what works against you, Shapen's back right, and he's got a week yeah. under his belt. So maybe that's going to help you out in that regard. And so you're going to be a little bit better. But I think ultimately how bad they've been defensively in a one and a half point game uh spread. I think I'd rather be on the side of Texas Tech than anything else. Um, I think I'm good with college football, Jules. I think I think good. I'm ready to kind of move here. And I want to ask you quickly, John, uh, Jonathan. Did you by John or Jonathan? I should have asked that off the top. You care? Uh, you know, professional. I guess Jonathan. Um, I guess I should brand JVT more. So you know, I was gonna say I, yeah. I just go JVT. It's yeah. easy. It flows. JVT. Yeah, my fault on that one. But uh, anyway. Quick NBA thought, because I know you do a lot of NBA coverage over at VEASAN. Bucks Maybe. celtics arm race for the uh, Eastern Conference with the Drew Holiday change. Holiday out in Milwaukee. Now he's in Boston. Dame Lillard in Milwaukee now. What are your, what are your thoughts on the Eastern Conference outlook? Well, I can't wait to watch the NBA. First off, I cannot wait for it to come back now. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I don't want to instill any ill will with Julian, but I, I do think Milwaukee is slightly better. Uh, now, I will say, you go back about four, what, four or five years ago, uh, Drew Holiday, for those who don't remember, uh, ate Damian Lillard's lunch in a first-round series in the Western Conference between New Orleans uh, and Portland. He was awesome in that series. So he, if you're picking anybody to defend Damian Lillard, it would be Drew Holiday. But I think it's like a hand-in-glove fit with what Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo are going to be offensively. That is an awesome pick-and-roll combination. They work well with one another. How you choose to defend those two in a pick-and-roll is whatever. Pick your boys and whatever you're going to do. I think you're going to get burned there. And I also think from a regular season standpoint, once we get to the playoffs, I think I've only got a point, like 1.2 point difference between the two. So it's like it's very minimal. Wow. Um, but I think from a regular season standpoint – um, with Boston putting so much into guys that have missed some time, I yeah. think that their regular season record is going to suffer. And so thus, I expect Milwaukee top seed in the Eastern Conference and to have an edge in a postseason series. But I give the slight edge to Milwaukee. I love what they did. But I love what both teams did. I can't wait to see what they're going to be. I'm I'm with you that Milwaukee should have the better record. Yeah. And the Celtics are actually 55 and a half on DraftKings. Milwaukee 54 and a half. Yeah. So I think that's off a little bit. I, I'm with you there. It's all about... Uh, we're going to learn a lot from watching these two teams play um, and we'll know a little more. It, to me, it's all about how healthy the Celtics are in, in, you know, April, May, June. Uh, and obviously Milwaukee too. Like you have to have Lillard and, and Dame healthy, but I don't think we have question marks on those guys. Like we do with a poor Zingis, like we do with uh, a Horford. Horford won't play back to backs. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that goes into the regular Tatum season. wrist. Now Tatum plays hurt. He has played hurt. Porzingis is uh, already dealing with what he already had plantar fasciitis right in the offseason because he said yeah, he wore different well, shoes. Like that there's was, a reason why. Yeah. There's a reason why he didn't play for Latvia. I'll yep. leave it at that. I'll I'll say Milwaukee probably and people were talking about Milwaukee's depth. Milwaukee still probably has better depth uh, yeah. than Boston, but yeah. just in terms of the top five, and I'm giving it as Horford off the bench with the Holiday, White, Brown, Tatum, Porzingis. If it's a healthy Porzingis in the postseason. I, I, I'm trying not to be a homer. I have a really hard time favoring anyone against that five, which, mm -hmm. man, I, I, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch it. it. And I, I understand JVT's argument on the Bucks, like playing against Milwaukee, the Celtics had their number a little bit. What would terrify you if you're a Celtics fan? Give them someone like Damian Lillard to put the ball in his hands to end the game. Now I'm scared. So like, uh, that's what I'm excited to watch. And it's going to be, very close, and maybe you're right. Maybe that home court is what winds up making the difference. And Julian, I'll ask you really quick because I know you guys said we were up against it, but you know when I've watched Boston the last couple of years, the thing that has stuck out to me has been a team that in clutch minutes offensively has fallen apart. And, yeah. I, and I don't yeah. know if Drew Holiday fixes that, right? Because we have seen some uh, offensive clunkers from Drew Holiday no. before, and that's kind of the thing that sticks in my head. 
there's only one way to fix it, and it's to yeah. Tatum take the next step and be the be the guy. Not that he isn't the guy, but like all the way. I'm the guy. I'm going to take over the game the way that a Damian Lillard does. And I Glass, you cr- say cringe something? saying this, but I think it's addition by subtraction that they moved on from Marcus Smart. Oh, like, it is. Yeah, like the, like the grit and balls factor I get, but and end it's of games by subtraction because they improved at the position, ultimately getting to Holiday. Agree, but I think in those specific situations, to JVT's point about clutch situations, how many times was it smart taking the shot? Like, I think mm-hmm. I think Holiday understands, I have my role, get it to our, our go-to guys. I think. Fortunate, so. Fortunately, we're a few, we could do this all day. We're a few weeks away from yeah. an NBA preview pod. We'll do one of those with you and ramble about this forever. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. Senior NBA betting analyst also has the John Vaughn model going on over at VEASAN. Thanks so much for stopping by Unreasonable Odds. Thanks a lot, guys. Okay, loaded show today. Thanks to JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel of VEASAN. We had Johnny Avello on earlier. We wrap. We're going to hear from our producer, Samir, as well here on A Reasonable Odds. We are presented by DraftKings. Samir said he wants to get on the board with the best bet win. All uh, lines are brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook, as we know. Um, Why don't we do best bets? Unless you've got any takeaways from our chat with JVT. I was very interested in the model and I, I thought the rookie quarterback dice, uh, the way he dissected that was pretty interesting, knowing that you don't have any data coming into the year, but um, it's good stuff. It's good stuff from JVT. Yeah. Um, always love having JVT on uh, both his, his opinions and his models uh, give some good stuff. And I, I like I like what his model's been doing. I've been following it a little bit. And my big takeaway was uh, early, I realized that the Bears were a team to team to fade. And that's that's held true, which we're about to do best bets. Um, Can I just say quickly on the Bears? I feel like such a such a like a dweeb because I think a lot of people bought into them the minute they traded the number one pick. And they got yeah. DJ Moore, and they have Claypool for the full off season. Oh, Darnell Mooney is now no longer the one. He's kind of a piece. Like people were buying their NFC title number and their Super Bowl number. Like there was some real value, I think, on the board at the time. And I took the cheese on that team, admittedly. And this was again, this was back in like March when they pulled off that deal before the draft. And just seeing where it is now. Uh, the coaching in the in fields, they don't seem bought in on fields. They want to go out and get their own guy. Um, I was wrong. I was I was wrong on the, the Bears. I thought the Bears would be better. I did, I, 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 don't, I don't have any win total futures on them. I did buy a, I, I, a small dabble on their. Uh, I have them under seven and a half and eight and a half. That's good. I didn't touch the win total. I just took a little took a little little uh, little swing on their uh, their conference and Super Bowl number. Just you know, Fields made the leap and he didn't. So. Um, that's all. I mean, no one wants to really talk about the Bears. They stink. Uh, yeah, I get thanks for burning two minutes of best bets on Bears talk. Oh, shut up. Two weeks ago, you had to, like, stall for your, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Oh, go to Steve. No, because I was actually looking into my bet, and then I did, and I... All right, you want to give your best bet? There. Then go. Yeah, I got a few. Um, okay. Now that we've done this. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Starting in the NFL, because I gave it out last week. I said just get the Niners minus three now against Dallas. There's nothing that can happen that'll get this down to two and a half. It'll only go up. Now mm-hmm. it's three and a half. I would still play it at three and a half. And that proved true because San Francisco had a normal looking win against Arizona. Dallas, third, whatever it was, beat down the Patriots and the line still goes to the Niners. So I like Niners three and a half, more buttoned up operation. They're at home. Dallas has more holes. Um, Niners keep rolling. College. Two games we didn't talk about in the college segment. My favorite bet is Iowa Moneyline, minus 130. They host Purdue. Purdue has a losing record. They've played four of their five games at home. And this number where Iowa would have been a huge favorite goes down to a pick because Iowa's quarterback got hurt. Um, McNamara from Michigan. Torres ACL, done for the year. I like Deacon Hill. I think he's fine. He played well in that game. He had his receivers drop six passes in what was ultimately a 10-point win over Michigan State, thank you to special teams. But hmm. special teams advantage, defense is elite. I don't think Purdue's going to come in here and do much. And, uh, you know, Hill will be better after practicing with the ones all week. 
One other game we didn't talk about. I'll, I'll just use Iowa and the Niners as my best bets, but another game we didn't talk about was Alabama and A&M. Is that your best bet, Glash, or no? No. Okay. Uh, we have, I, I have eight, I gave out eight and a half preseason on A&M plus eight and a half. <laughs> it's now like a pick em. I would still go A&M. Alabama doesn't win these type of games on the road. Uh, so I, I do like A&M there. If you want to make that a, a bonus bet. Does that, what was the spot? La- I'm just, sorry. I mixed these guys up. What was the spot for Bama last year? They lost on the road at the end of the game. Was that, was that this team? Was this A&M last year? They had AM at home last year and they only won by four. AM almost won. Yeah, uh, at the end of the game. That's right. Okay. So Alabama's as, as, as quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here, as bad as they were last year, their two losses were on the road, last second field goal to Tennessee, and on yep. the road, two point conversion in overtime to LSU. My Tigers. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, you still like to bet on that team. Uh, I'll go next. Just one pick for me. Going to stay in the NFL. Last week had the Texans. They throttle the Steelers. And you might think, well, the Steelers, oh no, they're in trouble. They hung 30 on the Texans. Well, it was a classic Mike Tomlin letdown spot. Coming off the Sunday night win. It was their second straight road game. Now the Steelers are back home. Mike Tomlin, week five forward in his career as an underdog. 44-20-2 against the spread. He's also 8-4, and four, straight up, as a dog in Week 5 or later, against the Baltimore Ravens. This is a classic Mike Tomlin spot. Give me, and I, it, Kenny Pickett spoke moments ago as we record on a Thursday. Kenny Pickett's going to play, which again, I know he hasn't been great. I would be concerned if it was Mitchell Trubisky, because I think he's very limited. I think Kenny Pickett has shown signs that he can play the position. Uh, Matt Canada, not thrilled about the play calling. I will get that out there too, but... This Pittsburgh defense will bounce back. Uh, I didn't see the totals at 38 in this game. So I will take a team getting four points at home with a low total. Pittsburgh plus four. That's what it is right now. Plus four at DraftKings. All the Tomlin trends. And the Ravens, while they look good, they are still very banged up. Uh, It's still all Mark Andrews and Lamar. And Zay Flowers has popped, sure. But no semblance of a running game. Their secondary is banged up. I think there's this is just going to be a, a slow burning dogfight, and it's going to be ugly. Take the home team with the points. Steelers plus four. Samir, have we fa- have we found something? We found something. Ooh, we right. found something. I'm going to go with Tua alternate passing yard over at 300 yards plus 120. Playing the Giants, bounce back spot. Julian, you guys can't see his face right now. He looks disgusted. Glash looks like I have five heads. It's double digit. Uh, no, it's just, it's just like, whoa, I didn't think it was very out left field. Go ahead, go ahead. If they get up big and run the ball. I mean, definitely an option, but they do a lot of these jet sweeps. They especially now uh A Chain, A Chain, however you pronounce his last name, doing these coming across, Tyreek doing these pop passes. I don't think it's that outrageous of a number um i mean even when they played buffalo last week two quick touchdowns on the first two drives i think that there's going to be a lot of offense i don't disagree with you but i need something and this is what i'm going for i will say if there's motivation off of the loss to buffalo you know if it sounds like these weapons around tua really like tua uh mcdaniel clearly believes in him if they want to really give this guy a shot to win MVP, he's got to get his numbers back up after how it went last week because Josh Allen's the MVP favorite now. Head-to-head win, per- passer rating was phenomenal. So, Samir, from a narrative standpoint and from a, a season-long award standpoint, this is kind of a good game for Tua to pad some stats. Not More only that. weather, bad opponent. Not only that, you got to get Jalen Waddle right, too. Another opportunity for him to do it against a struggling defense. I mean, I think there are pieces there to get to get this back on track. And it's, am I? I mean, look, Jacksonville. I don't think they look great, but they get the Bills in London, so Miami could get right back ahead in first place if they, if the meaning if the Jags could beat the Bills and Tua puts up numbers, Tua is the MVP favorite against so all that narrative crap. Kind of plays into your pick, but Julian might be right. If they go up big, they could just manage the crap out of this game. Yep, we teased baseball off the top of the show. Yeah, 
Houston Astros series against the Twins, minus 150. There's your baseball play. We don't need any more. Okay, very good. I would say that the Twins, I think, do have the starting pitching edge. Okay. Okay, I'm just all right. We can't have a conversation. I mean, it's just. I, mean, I okay. said that. I said that's the end. And Samir, I would add too that Miami next week plays. Uh, they play Carolina, so their schedule gets really soft. So they two two opportunity, opportunities for two to pad some stats. Okay, that's it. Thank you all so much. Thank you to our guest today, Johnny Avello of the DraftKings Sportsbook, for stopping by. Jonathan Von Tobel of Veasan for his insights nfl little college some nba too and for julian edlow and samir daouk brendan glasheen thanks for joining us on unreasonable odds presented by DraftKings. we'll talk to you again next week best of luck odds and lines are subject to change if you or someone you know has a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER